Welcome to Drilling Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston. Drilling Deep is the place where we talk about oil, we talk about diesel, and you can't get either of them unless you stick a big drill bit into the ground and go way down deep into the ground to get the stuff out. So that's why the name of the show is Drilling Deep. We also bring on a guest of the week, and this week it's Matt Planetta. He is the he is a vice president with the insurance firm of Heffernan and Associates, and trucking and transportation is his specialty. Rising insurance rates have been a huge burden to trucking in recent years, and Matt's going to be here to speak about whether there is any end in sight to that rise. It is earnings season, and with that, that means the refining companies are holding earnings call with analysts. And because we can get the transcripts of those calls, we can hear what executives are saying about the current state of the oil market. One thing that these execs do not talk about is to predict prices. They probably get in trouble with their antitrust lawyers if they did. And besides, they don't really know which way the price is headed. They can have an opinion, but they don't have that much more insight than a lot of people. But they do have good perspectives on the state of supply and demand in various markets and where the refined incentives are to make more or less of gasoline and diesel. So their comments carry a lot of weight. Before we talk about the things that some of them said over the past week or two, let's note a few things. The price of all futures contracts have, in oil have plummeted. There is a general feeling that the market might be oversupplied, and a lot of that is driven by concern about future demand if there is a recession. The price of Brent was about $87.30 on April 12th. It's down about $15 since then. The price of ultra-low sulfur diesel on the futures market hit a level Wednesday that it had not settled at since December 2021. So yeah, things are weak. But those are macroeconomic numbers. On the diesel front, let's note that U.S. inventories of ultra-low sulfur diesel in the latest weekly report dropped below 100 million barrels. The last time inventories were that tight was back in the fall when the average retail price of diesel was $5.50 or more. In the last 10 years, there have only been a few times when inventories were that tight, and yet they're down there again and it's likely that the Department of Energy's average weekly retail diesel price next week, despite those tight inventories, is going to drop below $4 per gallon for the first time since February of last year. That would probably be surprising to the various executives on these calls, who seem mostly bullish on the fate of diesel. Gary Simmons of Valero described diesel inventories as, quote, very, very low. That was his quote to cite the word very twice. That's not just me. Simmons also said when asked about diesel weakness that we're just not seeing it. He said the distillate fundamentals, quote, look pretty good. Brian Partee of Marathon said the market for diesel in agriculture is particularly strong. He said Marathon expects diesel demand for agriculture to be a, quote, unquote, strong season. Michael Hennigan of Marathon said they are seeing diesel demand in Latin America up 10% from last year, and in China, it's up about 4%. And he didn't mention it, but U.S. demand is actually right about historical norms. Despite the weak trucking market, it isn't that far off from where it would be expected to be. Brian Mandel of Phillips 66 said they actually are seeing diesel demand down about 2.5% from last year. But in a diesel market that tends to run at this time of year about 3.7 million barrels per day, that's less than 100,000 barrels per day drop in demand. So it's, it's significant but it isn't huge. Bandel also said a lot of refineries are running maximum gasoline output, 
which means that distillate and diesel demand is being produced at a lesser number. As he said, quote, this bodes well for helping firm up distillate, which is a diesel is a distillate, distillate through the summer. So there you have it. In the midst of a decline in price that has seen the benchmark DOE number fall for 12 of the last 13 weeks, the people who are running the nation's refineries are saying that they don't think the diesel market is all that weak. Let's note that we always say the ultimate price of diesel is going to be determined mostly by the price of crude. If that keeps dropping, the diesel prices are not going to be able to hold even to these levels. But based on the comments coming out of the earnings calls, it doesn't appear that the refiners themselves see a lot of weakness in diesel. Moving on here now on Drilling Deep, it is a pretty obvious statement to say that the cost of insurance is a major expense item for carriers and that it can be a pretty volatile market. It's funny that career-wise, some people might think insurance is a boring business when in reality, it is constantly changing. It's requiring everyone in the industry to keep up with that ever-changing market and that the cost can be the difference between making money and not making money. With me now to t- today to talk about the cost of trucking insurance is Matt Planeta. He is the vice president and co-leader of the transportation practice at Heffernan Insurance Brokers. He's on the board of directors with the Arizona Trucking Association, and he is an active member of the Specialized Carriers and Rigging Association. So Matt, welcome to Drilling Deep. Thank you for having me today, John. So why don't you give us a quick summary of the state of insurance? You know, I, I don't know the last time I had a conversation with somebody in the insurance business, but it seemed that every time I did, all I heard was up, 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 that being the uh, the, the cost of the premiums in trucking. Has anything stabilized or are we still on an upward trend? And can you go be on an upward trend when you've got so many carriers disappearing from the market? That's a good question. So Generally, it is still on an upward trend, maybe not at the same uh, levels that it was at before, not the same percentage increases, but I'm still seeing increases overall in the market. Uh, most of the insurance carriers still feel like they need to get more premium and are, are not making money, not and then losing money, um, and feel like they need to get more premium to offset some of those increased exposures. And you, you mentioned about making money, losing money. My understanding is that uh, the commercial vehicle insurance business has been a money loser for insurance companies for several years now. You would think at a certain point something would have to give in that, but that this is not a business, not necessarily for the independent brokers, uh, but for the actual insurance carriers. This has been a rotten business for several years. Correct. Correct. It, it is a tough, a tough place, a tough market to make money in. There's some that have been involved in it for long periods of time that have the ability to kind of stabilize some of that pricing and get the increases that they need. But you have some carriers that will jump in and out and they'll try and undercut the market to regain market share, don't collect enough premium. Then those claims start rolling in and they don't have enough money to, or enough premium to collect to offset some of those claims. And they'll end up losing money and getting out of it. And then you have fewer choices and the market hardens up and prices go up. Yeah, hearing of an industry that's constantly losing money reminds me of the old joke. You know, we lose money on every sale, but we make it up on volume. So do you think the industry is starting to take steps to make sure that that red ink just kind of comes to an end because it can't go on forever? No, I think that's exactly right. And then, you know, it used to be, and there's some carriers that would underwrite to a loss on the trucking side of it, on the insurance side, and then they would make money on the investment side, on the premiums that they're collecting and investing. Um, 
you know, with the market, the stock market not performing as well as it was for a while, they're not making money on that side of it. And now they have to make under an underwriting profit, which changes the market from buyers. Can you give us some numbers on where, how much you think premiums have risen? Let's say, you know, is, if there is such a thing as an average premium, I don't really know if there is. I know it's pretty com- com- complex, but let's say what, what's been the increase over the last one year, three year, five years, any, any kind of numbers you could hang on this? Like you said, that's a tough one because it really does vary depending on the account, the size, where they're located at, um, the number of years in business, what their what their profile looks like. But I would say over the last year, you're still seeing you know, probably low double digit increases on most accounts. Over the last five years, you're probably looking at on average at least double what the premiums were. Let's put it this way, uh, trucking rates, uh, and maybe at a certain point, they were double, maybe let's say in the second quarter of 2022, they sure aren't double now. So this is obviously a, just this obviously a formula for a lot of carriers just pushing them right over the edge. I mean, can you, you and you, you've got a, a clientele list. Can you point to anybody, and you know, I'm not asking you to give them by name, but do you know of any companies where these higher insurance rates essentially were their death now? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I've actually worked with a couple where they were forced to either shut the doors and get out of the business or sell to a larger carrier. And I know some of them have been acquired by other carriers because the, uh, you know, the margins are so thin that it's tough when you get this kind of an increase on the insurance. And there's just not enough, like you said, there's not enough rate to, to gain on the other side to offset these increases. So, um, yeah, like I said, I've had a few that I work with personally that have been out of business or sold to a larger carrier and they're required by them and they just you know, went away and worked under them with insurance being a leading reason for that that change. You know, when I look at trucking and safety, I, I can't think, you know, I can't help to, you know, my, my first thought are all the uh, innovations and all the developments that are supposed to make trucking safer. All sorts of, you know, automatic braking systems, cameras in the cab, et cetera, et cetera. We could go on forever. And yet you've got insurance pr- uh, premiums rising it would seem to me that all these wonderful safety innovations should have been doing the opposite. How is it that those rates are rising when you theoretically have have developments, positive developments on the safety front? Well, the industry as a whole actually is a very safe industry. Um, a lot of the, the crashes, if you look at over the last five years, 10 years, number of crashes, the severity, that, the fatalities that are trucking related are actually down from what they what they used to be. And most of that is private passenger vehicle um, cost. You know, most of the time it's usually not the the commercial vehicles that are causing those accidents. The issue is the claims that do occur is those cost of claims. The cost of those claims has skyrocketed between the liability um and going, you know, the settlement of of the liability side, whether it's outside of court or the nuclear verdicts that are that are happening. The cost of equipment, you know, the cost of equipment used to be able to, to run a tractor trailer for a fraction of what the cost is now for to buy a new tractor trailer or the cost to repair it, which drives up the cost. And then the cost of the, the goods that they're transporting. So you have an increase in your cargo exposure, your physical damage exposure and your liability exposure. And it's just tough to get the rates to offset those increases. And you know, the nuclear verdicts, of course, we've talked about this. It's They've been exploding. That's why they're called nuclear. Um, but I do want to ask, I, I know that there's been legislation passed in Louisiana, of course, which was the home of these staged accident cases, which still haven't been resolved. Uh, Florida, 
and Iowa. Those are the three that I know off the top of my head. Have you been watching those closely? And do you think that these changes in the liability law in those states might be copied by others? And are they going to have a real impact? Uh, absolutely following that. And and I do think that it's going to follow in other states. Um, I think some, some states will adopt it sooner than later or sooner than some of the other states. The problem is with transportation, especially if it's over the road, long haul trucking, you don't know where that claim is going to occur. So it could occur in one of those states that now has you know a more favorable slant towards transportation, or it could be in a state where it doesn't matter if you're at fault or, or not at fault. If you're 1% at fault, you're going to pay for that whole claim, and it's it's tough to settle. It's tough to win that case, and so everything costs more. Um, but I do see that as a trend. I think more and more states will follow that. From an insurer's perspective, what is the worst state to have one of your clients have an accident? <laughs> um, well, there's there's a few that are known within the industry as you know the judicial hellholes. Um, I know California always ends up being on the top of that list. Louisiana is another one that is is on that list consistently. Um, and then outside of that, it kind of varies a little bit, but those are the two that come to mind right away. Of the safety innovations that have been developed, which are the ones that you kind of like the best? Again, from your perspective on the insurance side, I, I, I'm tempted, I'd be surprised if you said anything other than cameras. Yeah, cameras is the easy answer. Um, cameras really, really do make a huge difference on the safety and, and protecting the company. One, because there's so many staged accidents and so many claims that really aren't the fault of the truckers. And without the camera there to to justify or, or to to prove that they weren't at fault on there, um, it becomes, you know, he said, she said type of deal. And with the higher limits on the trucking, the insurance for the trucking companies, those, yeah. those cases usually will end up in court with the trucking company losing. So with the cameras, it, it gives them evidence right away. So if the carrier knows based on the footage, either they're not at fault and they can prove it or they are at fault. And then the, they're going to push to settle that claim sooner. And the cost of the claim is still going to be less than what it would have been. Do your clients that uh, are, let's say resist cameras or don't have them, uh, are they at a kind of disadvantage? Do they get higher premiums? If somebody says, look, I put in the cameras, through my entire fleet so we can monitor, so we can avoid these he said, she said things, and we've got a record. Do they get a break on their premiums? Uh, it does. It works both ways. So we actually have some companies that will provide a quote contingent on them installing cameras. Um, there's some insurance companies out there that will help offset the cost to install the cameras themselves. And if the motor carrier is willing to share the, the analytics from there, they'll actually get a discount on their premium going forward based on the on the data that they collect. So I do see more of a partnership now between the camera companies, the technology vendors, and the trucking companies working together and to try and justify a you know to get to the premium that's an accurate premium for that risk for that company. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about independent owner operators. I'm sure you you probably got clients who are fleets and you probably got one individual quote unquote companies that are riding out there. How how are they how are they doing right now? We know, we know they're not doing well, but how badly are they doing? It, it is tough, and especially on the smaller ones, whether it's a single unit owner operator, a small fleet, anything like that. It, it is really really tough on them. And like you mentioned, you know the the freight rates are soft right now. Um, coming out of COVID, you know COVID, the rates were up, and so they were getting the money to help justify 
and there was so much product being moved and everything else. So as these costs were increasing, they were able to, to increase the revenue based on all that. With the market softening, now they don't have the revenue and the costs are still going up. So it's putting pressure on them. You know, where most of those companies are making you know, pennies on, on the mile is that's where their margins are, especially on the small ones. So they get an increase. They can't spread it over a fleet. And it, and it is forcing someone to go out of business. I mean, do you have a, I don't know what kind of number you can give to, to, to give us some indication. I mean, how many, how many customers you've seen just disappear? I'm sure you don't want to give us a very specific number. That's confidential. But, you know, is it single digits, double digits, triple digits? How bad is it? No, I, I don't know that it, it's, you know, triple digits. My, my best guess is probably, you know, low double digits on there. Um for, for going out of business really because of the market, the way it is right now and the, and the conditions. Um, you know, I, I had a conversation this morning with a client that runs independent contractors and they have occupational accident coverage to protect those independent contractors if they're hurt. And the renewal came in at a flat price for them. And immediately, you know, they, they're asking for a, a decrease on that because everything else is going up and they need a decrease really to, to stay in business. Right. I mean, what, how, and, and, you know, the market for insurance is not necessarily linked to the demand for, uh, the demand for it, you know, where the, the numbers of fleets out there demanding insurance. If you've got a lot of people leaving the industry, uh, you've got less demand. Does that have any impact on premiums or, you know, you always want to revert back to supply demand when you're talking about the price of something, but I would imagine in insurance, it's, you know, it's a lot more complex than that. It is more complex than that, but there is definitely an element to that too. So you'll have, at times, you'll have a carrier or two that will come in and they will try and gain market share. And so they'll price accordingly and they'll be under where everybody else in the market is. And then you get a little bit of everybody else that has to compete and lower their pricing and, and the overall market comes down because you have more people competing in the market. So as those companies leave, then you have fewer people that are riding it, less competition in the supply and demand. So now you have less less supply, and then the the, the prices go up. Then at that point, okay. Uh, let's talk about uh, the West Coast. You're actually in Phoenix or the Phoenix area. Uh, your company is based in California, and that of course inevitably brings us to AB five. And one of the solutions to AB five to the problem of an independent contractor is that they leave their their lease purchase agreement. They go out and they get their own authority, and then they can theoretically uh, ride. You know, they they can theoretically be okay under AB five. Though we're still kind of waiting for that first enforcement test to know that. Um, one of the problems there, one of probably the biggest problem with that is the cost of insurance. Because uh, when they were on a lease purchase operation, they would have uh, they would have been able to um, they would have been able to operate under the carrier's insurance. Now they'd have to have their own, and that's a significant barrier. I've heard lots of numbers about what it would cost to get started just from scratch. If you were a, an individual owner operator, that it might be 12,000, 13,000 per year. It might be 20, which is more accurate. <laughs> it really does vary in California. I would say the twenties is probably more common than the 12 or 13,000 for a new authority. Even though, even though, like you said, they were leased onto a motor carrier, Maybe doing the exact same thing that they were when they were when they were leased onto the carrier. The fact that they're a new a new authority and it's their insurance is primary on it. Um, I would say it's probably more averaged on the on the high end than the low end. 
as somebody who is active in the California market, and I believe that you are, uh, what do you, when is the state? I mean, we're, we're talking about, we're probably nine months after uh, AB5 became the law of the land, depending on how you measure it. Uh, are you seeing a lot of carriers disappear because of AB5? Right now with this market, it's almost hard to say why why they would have uh, put their car, the trucks on the fence because you got a lousy market, plus you have a change regulatory uh, structure. So you know, which is which? Which drove them out of business? Uh, what's the state of the California independent owner operator? Uh, the California market is has always been tough. To your, I mean, to your point, it's always been tough. It's more and more difficult right now, and there are fewer and fewer companies, insurance companies that are riding in California. Um, talk to the companies uh, on a regular basis, and they're like, you know, they'll write in forty-seven states. You know, they may write in every other state except for Hawaii, Alaska, and California. There's there's lots of companies that will not do business in California it's because of the unknown. Um, you know, they may think that they're pricing it at a point where they're going to make money on on that book over there, but either a regulatory change or some sort of change in there, and then all of a sudden the whole thing blows up on them. And they and if there's too much of their premium, too much of their book is in California, there's not enough premium to offset that risk. Well, how does AB five create a uh, liability risk or just general insurance risk for an insurance carrier? I'm not really sure that I follow why one would lead to the other. So with with AB five, I mean, really, it all comes down to then it's that that one auto operator, and, and so I guess the the exposure, the cost is on that that owner operator whether they can actually afford it. To your point earlier, you know, if they're leased onto a, another larger motor carrier and they're paying rates based on the larger motor carrier in that that larger pool, and now they're on their on their own charge and they have to pay premium just on their own truck and their own exposures. That generally is going to cost a whole lot more per truck than what it is on the fleet. Um, so you have all these other policies that are that are out there for these companies, um, and they're not collecting the same amount of premium. They're getting a little more exposure out there with more trucks, and um, it's just it's just it's a bad situation for both the carriers and the the, the independent contractors, motor carriers in California. It's a tough place to be. Uh, let's wrap up with kind of going back to the the general insurance market. Uh, beside cameras, uh, when you sit down with a client and they say, "Hey, how can I improve my safety profile?" What are the one or two top things you tell them? The, the absolutely the, the cameras is a big thing. Another thing is making sure that they're aware of what their public perception is. So whether it's their website and if they're putting stuff out there about how safe they are as a company and everything else, which sounds good on the upfront you know, trying to get clients and customers and that kind of stuff. But that would be used against them in a second if something happens and it ended up in court, that used, that's used against them. The other thing that we use a lot is, you know, there's the Central Analysis Bureau or, or any of those type of platforms that track their roadside performance. And everybody looks at that. Everybody has access to that, whether it's us on the brokerage side, whether it's the underwriters or whether it's the attorneys if something happens. So managing... That, what that profile looks like, managing what the online profile looks like, I think are probably the two biggest things that we address. I can't help but laugh a little bit at the idea of don't boast that you're safe. <laughs> yes, yeah, but it's it's backwards thinking, right? I mean, you would act, you'd want to be a safe company, you want to operate safe, and you would want to be proud of that. But anything you do comes back to bite you if uh, something bad happens. Now you've been to the rodeo, so you know. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot here because I'm going to ask you a number. And you already started this podcast out by saying there's not just one sort of generic uh, insurance number that you can quote. 
But if you had to say a year from now, uh, insurance premiums lower, higher, steady, um, if they're higher by how much? Definitely not lower. Um, I do think it's steadying a little bit. I mean, there's been significant increases for the last few years. My guess is it would be either flat or single-digit increases from, from where it's at right now overall in the market. Well, I'm sure that a lot of people will be relieved to hear that. Insurance rates do go down sometimes, but there doesn't sound like they're about to go down at any time in commercial trucking soon. So we want to thank Matt Planeta. He is the vice president and co-leader of the transportation practice at Heffernan Insurance Brokers. Matt, thanks for joining us today on Drilling Deep. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You have been watching Drilling Deep. We are part of the Freightcast family of podcasts from Freightwaves. You can find us on all the leading podcast platforms as well as Freightwaves TV. I've been your host, John Kingston, and please join us again.